0: For months now, it felt like Arizona might be the linchpin for the Big 12 to expand via Power 5 means to raid the Pac 12. Might Colorado, the former Big 12 member, actually be the answer? We're discussing it on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, and thank you to the thousands of you who are our everydayers. On the Locked On Podcast Network, of course, we are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU. Let's dive right in. And Dennis Dodd, as he has been writing a lot recently, is writing about Big 12 expansion and rumors about that. uh, Saying yesterday in a column for CBSSports.com that Colorado, the former Big 12 member the Colorado Buffaloes, are having, quote, substantive talks, unquote, with the Big 12 conference. He also added in that piece that there have been ongoing conversations between the Big 12 and Colorado regarding the Buffaloes potentially returning to the conference they once called home for six-plus decades uh, that they might be willing to do that. Now, I, for one, have thought for a long time that if Big 12 expansion was going to happen and they were going to raid the Big 12, they would essentially try and get Arizona using the – I guess the plug or the, what do you the play or whatever uh, you want to do to sell Arizona on the basketball side of things, with uh, football being a side note in many ways? Because Brett, Yormark, the Big Twelve commissioner, has been very adamant about making the Big Twelve truthfully the best basketball conference bar none in the country. And by doing, uh, by excuse me, by adding Arizona, he av- absolutely would do that. Now, Colorado, as I mentioned, is a former member. They were members of the Big Seven, if, it, if I recall how it started originally. It was the Big 8, the Big uh, 12 era, they have been proud members. They were founding members of what is now the Big 12 Conference. Could they be looking for a landing spot? As the column uh, plays out, as you read it, You can see that he lays out a very good thought process for why Colorado might be considering this because we are hearing, uh, there have been multiple rumors out there slash reporting that the Big 12 money could be as low as $20 million, $24 million, could be as high as $34 million, but nobody truthfully knows what that number is pegged at. So the thought is because the way it's written and Dennis reports this, and I I can back this up, that there is a pro-rata clause in the conference, uh, I guess, uh, bylaws or the contracts with the Big 12 that if the Big 12 expands and adds a Power 5 member, an existing Power 5 member, they are pro rata, AKA the TV contracts will pay out the expected $31.7 million. That would be what Colorado could count on if they were to make the jump to the Big 12. That has got to be part of the thought process here for Colorado. If they are considering doing this, because there is essentially a cost certainty that you will know how much money you are making. Whereas, Currently, you're still sitting there as a member of the Pac-12 conference and still very much just kind of floating out there in the wind hoping and praying and wishing that one day you'll actually have a firm number, you'll come to an agreement, and finally sign your media rights still. It still feels like the end of next month, June 30th, is the drop-dead date for the Pac-12 to do something. And what I mean by something is either you've got to add San Diego State because San Diego State has to give notice to the Mountain West Conference and pay a $17 million exit fee, and that money, as I recall it, it is going to be more expensive after June 30th and the same at the same time you would not be able to trigger that release clause that lets you go in as soon as 2024 for the Aztecs the other thing about this is you come up on July 1 that is the year uh, anniversary I guess the, the countdown 365 days to the end of your media rights deal speaking of the PAC 12 conference so there is a lot to be done slash accomplished slash played out with regards to the PAC 12 over the next month but the Big 12 could be the beneficiary of this. Is Colorado going to really move the needle for the Big 12? Not necessarily. They're very much in full rebuild mode in football. The basketball program is decent, but they're not world beaters by any means. But one thing that BYU fans, this brings in the local element to this podcast, speaking of BYU, is that Colorado would help bring the late night window even more strongly to the mountain time zone. They would be able to play some of those 8 and 8.30 games out here in the mountain time zone that would make it so BYU. EYU might be able to have some games that start maybe at 6 o'clock local versus having to play essentially all their home games at 8, 8.15, or 8.30 p.m. At Mountain Time locally. This should be something BYU fans, you as Cougar fans, should root for. You destabilize the Pac-12. You bring in a founding member of the B- of the Big 12 back into the fold, and then you obviously would probably trigger Arizona. I would expect would probably follow in short order if Colorado were to finally make the leap to the Big 12. Arizona State would be very tempted, I would assume. Utah everything I understand, talking with people I know up there at Utah, Utah is very reticent to make the jump to the Big 12, but if it were to come to it, I truthfully believe that Utah would make the leap if they thought it was in their best interest. Like I said, they very much enjoy their camaraderie, the, the affiliation with the Pac-12, and that's a big, big reason why Colorado made the jump to the Pac-12 in the first place. It increased their academic standing, gave them huge grants in terms of the overall money academic-wise that the Pac-12 opened up that avenue for Colorado. There was a prestige factor just for the university. That's why Colorado pursued and jumped to the Pac-12 when they did. But uh, speaking of Colorado, it sounds like they are very intent on potentially looking back at their old stomping grounds and saying, hey, maybe we're interested in doing this. The other part about this is, is, that according to Dennis Dodd, also tweeted after he put out his original article that Deion Sanders wants to get back into Texas. Colorado, during its heyday, if any of you are old enough like I am, I kind of cut the t- end of what Colorado's heyday was in the 90s in particular, somewhat into the early to mid-2000s. Colorado was best when they were recruiting Texas heavily and supplementing their roster. Speaking of bringing in as many local guys out of Colorado because Colorado doesn't produce a ton of D1 talent, but supplementing that by getting guys out of the Midwest down into Texas. When they jumped to the Pac-12, it completely changed their recruiting philosophy. They were recruiting more of the West Coast, the Mountain Time Zone, out into California, Pacific Northwest. It's not gone the way that Colorado fully expected it to. They've really only had one good season during their time in the Pac 12. So they may be looking at this. And uh, the other thing about this is Coach Prime, speaking of Deion Sanders, he is a Texas guy. He was coaching Texas high school football before he made the leap to Jackson State. At Jackson State, he recruited Texas heavily. Obviously, used the transfer portal to great effect. He has got Texas, uh, not Texas, he has got uh, Colorado in full rebuild loan. He cut all but 13 scholarship players from last year's squad. Uh, as I understand it, they're now up to in the upper 70s of scholarship players via transfer portal, junior college and high school recruiting means over this offseason and he is a guy, like I said, who's a Texas guy, understands the benefit of recruiting that state. Being in the Big 12, actually playing games in Texas will give him more of an opportunity to recruit that state more heavily and hopefully as most Colorado fans I would imagine uh, bring back maybe some of that heyday, some of the eras to the Echoes past of Colorado's heyday, like I said, in the Big 12. Does it ultimately play out? Only time will tell and there's been so many rumors, so many stories, so many reports of Arizona's considering jumping, Colorado's considering jumping, the four corner schools as they're calling them are considering all jumping in mass until it actually happens. Absolutely understand that there's going to be continue to be reports about this. Like I said, the next month or so, tomorrow is June 1st. The Pac-12, in many ways, in my mind, has 30 days starting tomorrow to figure out whatever they're going to do. Are they going to sign a new media rights deal and surprise everybody with the number that it's coming in at? Will they disappoint some other members with a lowered number in terms of the overall money that's coming in? Will they ultimately see defections out of the conference, like Colorado jumping to the Big 12? Will they expand and add San Diego State ahead of that deadline for the Mountain West Conference on June 30th? There is a lot, a lot, a lot, and I said that three times for emphasis. There is a lot to play out over this mu- next month or so, and, of course, we'll keep you apprised of this. But as a BYU fan, I would wholeheartedly encourage you guys to welcome a Colorado Jump to the Big 12. Like I said, they are not necessarily needle movers in terms of the overall competitive nature for the Big 12, football or basketball-wise right now, but Coach Prime is uh, like a media darling in his own right, and he would bring added uh, exposure to the Big 12, and more importantly, certainly would give BYU a quote-unquote travel partner in the mountain time zone. If Arizona were to jump as well, that would help uh, really establish the western wing of the Big 12 and really truthfully make the Big 12 a true national presence across all four time zones. I know they're not necessarily in, in the Pacific time zone, <coughs> excuse me but you get what i'm talking about it would open up all kinds of windows and obviously help BYU without having to be just the the lone uh, ranger out here on the western flank of the big 12 so We'll see what happens. It's very uh, curious to me to, uh, to continue to hear these reports, but the next 30 days, it feels like to me, are like essentially make-or-break time if you're the Pac-12, and the Big 12 very much could be the beneficiary of all of this if everything plays out according to what the reports out there are. All right, coming up here in just a minute, wanted to talk a little bit of recruiting. BYU might have a pretty high-level athlete coming in to visit next month. Don't know the dates quite yet, but Maui Smith, a guy we've talked about on this podcast, uh, th- high three-star prospect out of California, He is saying that he is planning on making an official visit to BYU over the next month. How important is he as a quote-unquote must get at quarterback for BYU in the 2024 recruiting class? We'll discuss that next. We continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Now a word on our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel's been working with us for a long time now, the last, what, four or five months now. The best part is make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA Finals, my friends. It starts tomorrow night because right now new customers are getting a no sweat first bet of up to 2,000 you're right, $2,500 large. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. The best part is about FanDuel is you can make uh, get great promotions daily. Uh, you also have a safe and secure app. Your information is not exposed to would-be hackers and that type of stuff. The best part is they're paying out instantly. You don't have to wait and get to a certain reserve number to get paid out. FanDuel will pay you out the same day if you win money. There's no better place to bet on all of the playoff action than with America's number one sportsbook. So go visit fanduel.com slash on. Uh, excuse me, again, and get a no sweat first bet of up to $2,500. You heard that right, $2,500. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Uh, Fanduel, of course, has been working on this for months. Fanduel is the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Cannot thank you guys enough for your support of the podcast. And thank you for being everydayers to the thousands of you who tune in on the daily. Coming up on tomorrow's show. Very interesting piece uh, done by a friend of the podcast, Cam Miller. He laid out what he thinks BYU schedule is going to play out as. He thinks that the BYU is going to exceed what I have projected—a six-win uh, total for BYU. But you not, might uh, be wondering exactly how he got to that math. He he's predicting a seven and five record. We'll examine that and kind of give you my thoughts on that on tomorrow's podcast, as well as anything else that breaks. Maybe who knows? Tomorrow, Colorado may uh, announce they're making the jump to the Big Twelve. We'll break it down for you guys. So we got you covered. All right, here every. Day. Unlocked On Lockdown Cougars. Also, the other thing about this, uh, every day in our YouTube shorts uh, portion, if you're watching this on YouTube or if you want to check it out, we do a, a, like a 45 to 60 second breakdown each day, a player countdown series. We started at day 100, uh, countdown towards the season. Today is day number 94. Uh, we are going to be breaking these down every single day. Uh, so if you want to check that out, get over to YouTube, check out our shorts. Like I said, the really uh, short form, uh, quick take on each player that wears that number in a BYU uniform. We talked about Caden Hawes yesterday at number 95. So fun stuff. Check all of that out. All right. Uh, I was reading on 24-7 Sports, uh, quarterback Maia Liuaki Smith. Uh, I learned that he is, goes by the nickname Maui because Maia Luiwaki Smith is a mouthful. Uh, to say, but he is targeting some official visits this year. Uh, he plays for San Mateo High School, San, San Mateo Sarah High School. Uh, he is planning on visiting BYU in the month of June. He has said that Arizona, Washington, and BYU have already uh, been out to see him throw down there in southern Southern California during the spring evaluation period. It says BYU is in line to get an official visit. "Quote, Coach A Rod." Speaking of Aaron Roderick and Coach Matt Mitchell, have been recruiting me, and I had a really good visit there. Speaking of an unofficial visit, I know I'm going to take an official visit there. The reason I think this is. Prompt- For BYU as many of you might recall Isaac Wilson who was on BYU shortlist Picked the University of Utah Luke Moga who I believe was probably BYU's top target in terms of their overall recruiting uh, depth chart for quarterbacks going into the 2024 class, has committed to Oregon. And another thing, uh, even though they've got Andrew, the, it was Andrew Van Buren? I know the last name was Van Buren, the five-star prospect that committed to Oregon. It sounds like Moga is very much intent on sticking with the Ducks. Well, Maya Smith, or speaking of Maui Smith, he was essentially the third guy in the trio that I understood the BYU was most after early on in the 2024 recruiting class. This is a significant thing that he is considering taking an official visit to BYU. He is a, a great prospect. I, I'm actually really impressed with Maui's uh, skill set. 6'4, 205 pounds. He's prototypical size. He's got uh, pretty good wheels, got a live arm uh, based on the film I saw. I watched one of his highlight reels on Huddle. Uh, I'm intrigued by what this young man is possibly capable of adding to the BYU football program. But he's got a number of high level programs after him. But if BYU gets an official visit, you got to think they're in it until he ultimately decides where he is going to go. He said he made it sound like he plans on making a decision this summer of where he's going to commit to. But at the same time, let me also add that BYU is still very much in the mix for a number of other high-level quarterbacks out there. So if they don't win in the Maui Smith sweepstakes, don't think that all is lost. BYU has offered a number of high-level prospects. They actually did it the week that Isaac Wilson committed to BYU. A number of guys both committed and uncommitted prospects out there in the 2024 recruiting class that BYU is going in on. What I understand in talking with somebody inside the BYU football program is that it doesn't necessarily, they, they probably have like a wish list of, okay, this guy's probably the top guy we'd like to have if we had our druthers and on down the list. But what I was told is the BYU, as soon as one of the guys picks BYU and says they are a Cougar, then essentially that's their guy. They are all in on that dude and they will essentially back off recruiting the other guys. Now, should other things play out where a kid decommits and commits elsewhere, obviously BYU would get back into the race for a number of... Of these athletes, but essentially it's, it's a rat race at this point. Whichever one of these quarterbacks, I have a list of BYU having recruited six guys in total right now, uh, speaking of their uh, prospects out there for BYU's quarterback wish list uh, in the high school ranks, until one of them picks them, essentially... All options are on the table for BYU. So, does that mean that BYU is going to absolutely uh, narrow in on a certain guy? They very, they very well could. But the thing about this is BYU is looking at all options on the table to them. Carson Sue is a guy, local kid, transferring in from Concord De La Salle. He is going to play this year for Granger High. He is great size. 6'5", 200 pounds, a three-star prospect in his own right is on that list. Demaricus Davis, who said he is planning on making a visit to BYU potentially this month as well. 6'4", 190 pounds at Ed Tawanda High School in Rancho Cucamonga in Southern California. Uh, he seems like more of a long shot, but BYU can get him on campus for a visit. That would be very impressive. Lance Reynolds third, Lance Reynolds if that name sounds familiar, well, he is part of the Reynolds clan. He plays right up the road at Orem High School, 6'2", 190 pounds. I'm not 100% convinced that Lance ends up playing quarterback at the next level, but he's got an offer from BYU all the same right now. Enoch Watson, I think this is a guy, if BYU misses out on a guy like Maui Smith, Enoch Watson, to me, is the odds-on favorite for BYU to be their guy going to serve a mission so he wouldn't necessarily take up that scholarship slot in 2024 because he plans on taking a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ. Take a mission? I just made a significant gaffe that I refuse to do. He is going to go on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints and uh, he is a guy that I think BYU is very intent on narrowing in on because he played in a wing T offense up in the uh, Flagstaff area in high school. He has transferred down to American Leadership Academy in Queen Creek, Arizona. He's being tutel- uh tootled, I guess I should say, by both Ty Demmer, who's the head coach at ALA ALA Queen, Queen Creek, as well as Max Hall is the offensive coordinator there. I think he would be a guy that if BYU can get him, he may be the sneaky, like, Like the sneaky diamond in the rough for BYU to pick up. but they also got a number of other guys they've reached out to. DeMond Williams uh, committed to Ole Miss. As we mentioned, Anthony Maddox is committed to Texas A&M. EJ Kamenong is one to keep an eye on at Garfield High School in Seattle. He's committed to Washington. So BYU is looking at all options right now. Let me just reiterate that. But it sounds like uh, as soon as one of these guys takes BYU up on their offer, that appears that will be the guy for BYU. And they're looking, like I said, more in particular, at a guy for 2024. Like I said, if it were that a guy like Enoch Watson commits to BYU he is looking as a 2026 prospect because he's going to serve a mission so essentially you could take two quarterbacks one that would be on the roster right away in 2024 and then also uh, Enoch Watson factors in as your quarterback in 2026 as well so a lot of math involved, but at the same time, let me just reiterate this: the word is that any one of these guys that have an active offer from BYU, should they take the Cougars up on that offer, they are the guy for BYU, and they will back off everybody else. And they will, like I said, that, that they make BYU. Uh, speaking of BYU, they make that guy their focus. And will it ultimately play out the way that BYU hopes it does? We'll see. But it sounds like they are continuing to turn over all stones. But it was it was good to hear. That Maui Smith is keeping BYU in the radar. I, I was afraid. This is my personal opinion. I was afraid that he kind of fallen off the radar. Speaking of BYU and him, but it sounds like he has been uh, very much in contact with Coach Roderick as well as Matt Mitchell, who are the kind of the tandem that coach up BYU's quarterbacks. Uh, Matt Mitchell works as the analyst under Aaron Roderick. Essentially, think of him as the assistant uh, quarterbacks coach for BYU. And uh, I think them being in the air of Maui Smith. Th- them if they can get if they can truthfully pull off that official visit from Maui Smith, that gives BYU a fighting chance, a puncher's chance of landing, I think, what would be a phenomenal phenomenal pickup next over the next month for the BYU football program. Alright, coming up here in a moment, we'll flip over and catch up on everything else going on in BYU sports as we round out today's edition of the show. Uh, we'll get to uh, look back at another game in BYU football's independent run. Uh, one of the games that I think signaled like a canary in the coal mine type moment. Uh, looking back in retrospect, we'll get to all of that here momentarily. First, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home or you're looking for your dream home, my friends, Perry Homes has a home for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes is been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs no matter what you're looking for. Whether you're starting out, like I said, you're trying to build your palatial uh, retirement home and anything, anything in between. They have got the option for you. They got beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Twila, and Utah counties. Also got multiple communities in Washington County near St. George as well. They offer over fifty unique home designs from ramblers to two stories to townhomes as well. So no matter what you're looking to do, they have got it for you guys. They even are offering generous financing incentives right now. We all know interest rates are absolutely insane. They can help you out on that front with their preferred lender uh, looking to hook you guys up. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, my friends. Hope you guys have had a fantastic start to your week. I know it's a shorter week because of the holiday on Monday, but nonetheless, Thank you uh, for checking out the show, stopping by, whether you're listening to this on the regular podcast feed or if you're checking us out on YouTube. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, review, enable notifications, all that stuff so, uh, on YouTube. I'm going to point right down here. Hit that subscribe button if you have not done so already. Also hit that bell icon, which enables notifications as soon as an episode drops. It lets you know, and you can tune in right away and get caught up on all the BYU news that you guys need to know about. All right. I failed to do something yesterday that I promised going in uh, to the end uh, of our podcast. I meant to talk about BYU's track and field athletes who punch their tickets to the NCAA championships. Of course, the men's team is ranked number 11 in the country. The women's team ranked number 20. They had a number of athletes go to the NCAA West preliminary meet and have a qualify for the national title. I'm going to run down those athletes real quick. Sierra Tidwell-Alfin in the high jump qualified for the national tournament. The women's 4x100 meter relay actually set a school record in a time of 43.84 if qualified for nationals. Lexi Holiday-Lowry in the steeplechase qualified for nationals. Claire Seymour in the 800-meter quarterfinals qualified. Her teammate Megan Hunter also qualified to go to Austin, uh, Texas, where they will hold the national meet this year. And then the four by 400 meters for the women's team uh, qualified for the national meet on the women's side of things. So congratulations to the women's team and those athletes headed to nationals on the men's side of things. Cameron Bates uh, qualified in the javelin throw. Uh, he is obviously going to be looking uh, to make a nice run there. Also uh, Lucas Bonds uh, in the 1500 meters. Also Caleb Witzkin in the pole vault has made it to the national meet. Uh, and then we also have a, uh, Brandon Garnica in the ten thousand meters, along with Casey Klinger, Klinger one of the elite runners in BYU stable of great runners, Uh, fantastic athlete both cross country and track. He's qualified in the ten thousand meters on his own right. So, and then also uh, on the other side is Ashton Reiner Lunt, who is the defending. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Defending Javelin National Champion. Uh, she is qualified for nationals. so congratulations to her on that front. Aubrey Frethenway made it in the 10,000 meters on the women's side of things. Dallin Shirts in the discus has made it on the men's side in the throws for BYU. Kenneth Rooks in the uh, steeplechase has made it. Casey Klinger also in the 5,000 meters. And then the 4x400 meter for the men's team made it to nationals as well. So the good news is if you tracked all of those names, BYU is going to be well represented at the national meet- and obviously hoping to make an impact, maybe push inside the top 10 nationally uh, when it comes to the end of the season, and we'll keep you updated as that meet draws closer. All right, final thing before we go on today's show, looking back at another game in BYU football history, and this is one of those ones that really hurts thinking about it. Uh, BYU took on the LSU Tigers, and this was a game, if you recall, in 2017, was highly, highly anticipated. It was supposed to be played in the Houston area, uh, but due to a hurricane that rolled through, many of you might recall, they moved the game to New Orleans to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, making, it in essence, a home game for LSU. Now, I know a number of BYU fans made the trip, uh, making last-minute adjustments to go to uh, New Orleans. It's drivable from uh, Houston, so some of you, I think, probably flew down to Houston and drove over or switched your flights to get to New Orleans for this game. The sad part is BYU essentially did not do their part in this game because BYU got absolutely destroyed in this game, and I mean that in the kindest way possible. 27-0, a shutout. LSU absolutely dominated BYU. Darius Geis ran for 122 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Danny Etling was just a pedestrian, but was 14-17 of for 171 yards. BYU could not find any success. Let me run down the drive chart for BYU in this game, just to give you an illustration of this. Punt, interception, punt, 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 downs, punt. BYU never crossed the 50 in this game, folks. This was the beginning of the issues I think that Kalani Sitake realized that he had with Ty Detmer running BYU's offense. Watching this game, it was just abysmal. BYU had nothing going for them in this game, and it just felt like they continued to kind of try and ram their head against a wall, thinking, hey, if we continue to do this, we might figure it out. BYU as a team in this game, if you might recall, ran a grand total of 14 times and totaled Negative 5 yards. That's a negative 0.4 average. Now, Tanner Mangum uh, contributed a lot to that. He had uh, minus 19 yards. Squally Canada was the leading rusher for BYU on the day. With a grand total of 8 yards on 5 carries. LSU just made life absolutely miserable for BYU in this game. Uh, Tanner Mangum was 12 of 24, 102 yards and an interception in this one. Matt Bushman might have been the lone bright spot in this game with 4 receptions and 43 yards. And uh, Bushman's still playing in the NFL to this day with the Kansas City Chiefs. And games like this might have shown that, hey, despite the fact that we just could not get things going, BYU just, they got, they got absolutely destroyed in this game. And like I said, looking back at it, because shortly after this, I was sitting in a press conference, and we'll talk about this uh, coming up in a, one of our next editions. There was a home game, and I've, I've got to look up the exact, I'm going to go back through my archives. I have all of the post-game audio from this season. I believe it was after either the Utah or Wisconsin games that Kalani Sitake came up to the podium and said, I know what I have to do, we will figure it out. Well, in retrospect, we found out at the end of the season that that reference was in reference to him needing to make a change with his offensive coaching staff. Uh, Like I said, I am going to go back through my archives and get that audio and tell you exactly when that moment took place. But in my opinion, this LSU game was that quote-unquote canary in the coal mine that should have told BYU fans that the end was drawing near for the legend Ty Detmer as BYU's offensive coordinator. I, I, I don't mean to say this in any rude way, but Ty Detmer was forced on Kalani. They came in together. BYU's athletic administration led by Tom Homo essentially told Kalani, Ty is going to be your offensive coordinator. Kalani was not given that option to hire his own guy. We will find out in future editions of the podcast that when Kalani is allowed to pick his own guy, it seems to work out pretty well. And we'll talk about that in future editions as I mentioned. But this one, absolutely abysmal. It started off with what would ultimately be one of the longest losing streaks in BYU football history. A grand total of uh, seven straight games that would ensure BYU would not go bowling for the first time in nearly 50 years. And we'll talk about it. No one was disappointing losses. Maybe the one of the closest uh, losses of the entire run of losses during this 2017 season against the University of Utah tomorrow on the podcast. All right, that'll do it for this th- oh, excuse me, Wednesday edition of the podcast. Tomorrow's a Thursday edition. I'm all off because of the holiday week this week. But nonetheless, thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Thank you once again for being every day with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day, my friends. This has been the Locked On Cougars Podcast. See ya.